Welcome back to America's Talking. I'm your host, Cole McNeely. Today we'll be covering new gun restrictions that are either being considered or recently put into place in states across the country. These restrictions have resulted in a slew of legal challenges, both at the state and federal level. Joining us today to talk about this on America's Talking is the Center Square's Joe Mueller is covering uh, Missouri. Joe, welcome back to America's Talking. Cole, great to be talking with you again. Oh, it's a joy every time. Uh, We also have Kenneth Shrupp joining us, who's uh, covering California and Hawaii for us today. Hey, Kenneth. Hey, howdy. Nice to see you, Cole. And we have, uh, for you folks who listen to other America's Talking Network productions, the voice of Illinois in focus, Greg Bishop. Hi, Greg. Cole, good to be with everybody. Good team we got here. I want to start with Joe. Joe, last time you were on America's Talking, we were talking about the taxpayer-funded sports stadiums, right? I mean, we we were talking about in in Kansas City, you had the Royals. This was on the heels of the Super Bowl. And as it was well-publicized at the Super Bowl parade, there was a, a shooting that occurred and that has led to legislative action to a degree in Missouri. So let's take a step back and, and let's talk about the events surrounding the Super Bowl parade, what happened, and, and some of the things that occurred post-Super Bowl parade in Missouri. Sure. The very day we were recording that, Cole, was the parade for the Kansas City Chiefs Super Bowl championship. And at the end of it, there was a mass shooting. Uh, there was one death. And uh, close to 30 children, I believe, were injured. And in addition to, you know, hundreds of thousands of people, a huge contingent of Missouri's politicians were there, Democrats and Republicans. And the stories that came out after that of uh, how the governor ran uh, with his security detail, uh, the House Minority leader shoved children in a restroom and told them to get behind the stalls to barricade them. Just horrible stories of the chaos that happened with this mass shooting. And the Democrats held a a rally, if you will, on the steps of the Capitol a week later, and they introduced uh, a joint resolution, 37 different joint resolutions, each Democrat, asking for the state to allow municipalities like Kansas City and St. Louis to set their own uh, restrictions on gun laws. And as many people know, joint resolutions are, are you know, just kind of perfunctory. They don't really carry the weight of law. And at the same time, while that was going on, the House Majority Leader was having his impromptu briefing with reporters. And he is from Independence, just about a half hour outside of Kansas City. And he shared with the media that he was pulling back two bills dealing with guns, primarily concealed carry, I believe, in in schools or churches or something like that. But anyhow, he pulled those bills. And he said he did that out of respect for the mayor of Kansas City. You know, this was a week after this happened. And that was, was probably the strongest I have seen in, in many years any type of pullback from leg- on legislation in light of an event like this. The governor even postponed an announcement. He was sending troops to the southern border and spending over $2 million to send those troops. He postponed that a week out of uh, respect for the investigation and all the events in Kansas City. 
So the Republicans were not blind to the fact of how visible this was throughout the country. And in the uh, 8th District Court of Appeals, uh, the Biden administration is suing the state of Missouri over a 2021 law that was passed called the Second Amendment Preservation Act. And in that act, a local police department can be sued, if you will, if they cooperate with the federal authorities and enforce, help enforce those federal authorities to enforce gun laws that are stricter than those of the state of Missouri. And I think it's a $50,000 fine per law enforcement officer and agency. Uh, that's before the Eighth Circuit Court of Appeals. They heard arguments last week. The United States Supreme Court last fall said they're not going to hear the case. Uh, they wanted it to go to the Supreme Court before it went back to the appeals court. So, you know, where we are now, I think, is in an election year, nothing's going to change in the state of Missouri. And I think that, you know, throughout the nation, we will see in a general election year uh, some legislation come forth from both sides of the aisle to try and get people's attention. And, uh, you know, Greg, you're, you're in the neighboring state there in Illinois. And after events like this, I mean, these tragedies, right, you always see outpouring of legislation, policy proposals, you know, a, a slew of things. Illinois had an ensuing drama of sorts uh, around this semi-automatic firearms ban. It has been kicked back and forth. It seems like it's gone through uh, certainly a lot of court challenges. So let's talk about, OK, you, you have kind of a, a high emotional situation happening in, in Missouri. One state over, you have a legal fight and a long legal fight that's going on around gun restrictions. So um, similar to you know what uh, Joe was talking about in Missouri, kind of this problem reaction solution um, after a mass shooting with casualties at a Super Bowl parade. Uh, in 2022, July 4th, up in Highland Park, Illinois, a uh, suburb of Chicago, uh, affluent area, they were having an Independence Day celebration, a parade, and somebody opened fire and used a semi-automatic firearm to uh, kill at least seven people and dozens of people were injured. Uh, Governor J.B. Pritzker at that time, uh, shortly after uh, giving condolences to the victims, he made the statements that the state of Illinois is going to ban semi-automatic firearms. And this has always been something that's tossed around in the state of Illinois. Uh, just for context, the state of Illinois, uh, being dominated by Democrats, uh, has been the, the strongest gun control law state among a lot of the states. Uh, next to like California and New York and Connecticut. Uh, but uh, the state of Illinois was also the last state in the nation to allow for any kind of carry law uh, up until about uh, 2014 or so. Nobody in the state of Illinois could carry a firearm outside their home, uh, even if it was with a permit. There was no permitting scheme. So the courts actually had to come through and force the state to do that after a case out of uh, Chicago and also a case out of uh, Washington, D.C., uh, where the U.S. Supreme Court said the state of Illinois has to comply with the Second Amendment and allow some type of carry scheme. So ultimately, the state of Illinois had this long back and forth about what is the Second Amendment? Can the state regulate these things? And the court cases continue to stack up on a whole host of different issues 
not just with the concealed carry issue. Illinois also has a firearm owner ID card, which is, I think, one of only four states that have a similar type of pre-purchase registration requirement. So anybody in the state of Illinois has to get a FOID card in order to not just buy, but own weapons and ammunition, firearms and ammunition. Uh, So that's been in place since the 60s. That's another thing that's being challenged in federal court. Uh, But most recently to the uh, ban on assault weapons, As the legislature uh, coined the term in state law, uh, defining 170 different semi-automatic firearms from rifles, shotguns and handguns, Uh, they uh, they after the Highland Park shooting six months afterwards during lame duck session, they passed a pretty expansive ban on these types of firearms. Uh, And that was on January 10th of 2023 barely passed the Illinois House, but had enough votes to be signed into law, which the governor did. Uh, Then after that, about a week it took for the lawsuits to start stacking up. Uh, And the lawsuits challenged the law on everything from Second Amendment grounds to Fifth Amendment grounds because there's a gun registry requirement. And the Fifth Amendment argument is that that violates uh, an individual's right against self-incrimination. But you also have 14th Amendment arguments uh, that are being made. Everything from the laws too vague to be enforced to even equal protections because while the law says uh, the possession and sale of semi-automatic firearms is prohibited, certain classes of people are allowed to have these and to buy these. And that includes law enforcement, retired law enforcement, people who work in the security space, uh, prison wardens, jail guards. So there's a list of people who are allowed to have these firearms, but everybody else can't. So there's a myriad lawsuits ranging from Second Amendment to 14th Amendment to Fifth Amendment that are still being dealt with in the courts. Uh, and we have uh, several cases that went all the way up to the U.S. Supreme Court where they said, no, they're not going to hear it yet because there's not a full record. As of right now, we've got a case in the Southern District of Illinois where the judge there, he says they're moving forward expeditiously on the merits. As of right now, there's only been preliminary actions where judges have taken up the issue on whether or not they should do a preliminary injunction, essentially holding the law from being enforced while they deal with the case. Well, all that's been done in the past year. So now the judge in the Southern District saying, we're getting to the merits of this. We're going to deal with this question so there could be a clean record going all the way up to the U.S. Supreme Court where that's exactly we expect this law to be determined. Now, the big question, though, uh, Cole, is... Is it going to be Illinois' ban on semi-automatic weapons that the U.S. Supreme Court takes up, or is it going to be a a ban out of Maryland that could be taken up, or is it going to be the ban out of California that's going to be taken up? There are multiple states with challenges uh, of two bans on semi-automatic firearms uh, that the U.S. Supreme Court's being um, faced with. Uh, So I think the Second Amendment advocacy organizations, they're looking for the U.S. Supreme Court to make a determination on this one way or the other. And and Greg, I'm going to stick with you real quick here. One of the terms you mentioned is assault weapons. Now, the state of Illinois, they've defined that and put a certain amount of weapons in that category. But to somebody, you're you're walking down the street and somebody says, oh, did you hear they they banned assault weapons? When California says assault weapons, are are we talking about the same thing or is it just whatever the state kind of arbitrarily throws into that basket that is an assault weapon? Yeah, if you go to a gun store and ask for an assault weapon, uh, the the person behind the counter is going to look at you like you got three eyes. Right. They may say we don't have assault weapons here. Uh, We have a semi-automatic rifle. 
Uh, we have a pistol that might have a threaded barrel. Uh, we've got uh, a shotgun that is semi-automatic, but we don't have assault weapons here. We may have a shotgun that has a pistol grip on it uh, to help those who may have disabilities be able to better control a shotgun. Uh, we may have a rifle that has a barrel shroud so that people don't burn their hands when they touch the barrel after shooting it because uh, the barrel gets hot. It's a firearm. Uh, so, yeah, the, the term assault weapon uh, in state statute lawmakers, they went through and they, they spelled out what they believe is an assault weapon or an assault weapon attachment. Uh, but the confusion really gets into when you get into the nitty gritty details of what is an assault weapon. Is it a gas fed uh, rifle that recoils automatically? Is it a semi-automatic firearm? Is it a firearm that takes a, a detachable magazine? Uh, Illinois law didn't just ban semi-automatic firearms, a whole score of them, not just the AR-15s, but even certain types of 22 rifles. Uh, that might take expanded magazines. They went ahead and they also banned attachments and certain capacities of magazines, like for handguns, nothing more than 15 rounds in a magazine, like for rifles, nothing more than 10 rounds. Uh, so all of this, of course, uh, feeds into the questions of what exactly is a, an assault weapon uh, and, and is somebody in possession of one? If they run afoul with the law, are they going to face a possible class A misdemeanor or a class three felony? Uh, these are these are real legal questions that Illinoisans, at least, are trying to get to the bottom of. And that's why they've got these stack of lawsuits. Well, and it's not obviously only in Illinois and in California. And Kenneth, I want to go over to you real quick here. California, we're seeing a similar thing, uh, you know, a, an assault weapons ban. And Governor Newsom is saying that, you know, we've heard a lot about the, you know, the right to bear arms, right? You got the Second Amendment. Well, Newsom saying, uh, well, people have a right to safety. And, I, and that's in quotes. Yeah. So California's bans on, quote unquote, assault weapons, as Greg explained, the term assault weapon doesn't really mean anything. These are mostly cosmetic features that lawmakers prescribe to guns that they don't like the look of. Because fundamentally, most guns are semi-automatic. You pull the trigger once, one bullet comes out. You haven't been able to buy fully automatic weapons without very special permits and very limited circumstances. So the government come into your house at any time uh, since like 1982, if I'm correct. Uh, in California, Governor Newsom was first to really propose something called this right to safety constitutional amendment. And in doing so, he's calling for a constitutional convention that even experts on his side of the aisle, you know, very progressive state leaders like State Senator Scott Weiner are saying this is a bad idea. We could have a runaway constitutional convention that does not get the outcomes that Governor Newsom will actually want for improving gun access, given that. The, most of the state legislatures tend to favor Republicans. Also in the books is a number of bans that are being overturned in California. Yes, I mentioned the ban on quote-unquote assault weapons and the ban on standard capacity magazines that hold more than 10 bullets. Those are both overturned and will be seen in federal higher federal court in the coming months. Another set of challenges was the California background check on every ammo purchase that was ruled unconstitutional because about 12% of the time, the system seems to fail for no real reason. And just you know, a handful of people every year were flagged by the system for not being allowed to purchase ammunition, um, which means that you know, the number of innocent people prohibited from buying ammunition legally was thousands of times, I believe, higher than the number of people who were ever caught. 
not not who are not supposed to buy ammunition. This California uh, legislature has also proposed an annual registration and annual tax on every single gun in the state, which would effectively create an active gun registry because in California, gun owner data, which is not depersonalized, can be shared with any, quote, researcher from any, quote, bona fide university or other institution, which, as we know, means it's effectively going to be public. Just a couple of years ago, there was a complete breach before this even occurred in California's gun concealed carry permit database, where every single concealed carry permit holder and applicant had all their personal information released to the public because one staffer accidentally, quote, uh, at the California Department of Justice, just left the data out there for anyone to take. This is all coming in a larger wave of West Coast and Pacific uh, tendencies towards creating stricter and stricter gun laws. One ruling from Hawaii last week from the Hawaii Supreme Court really rebuked Bruin, which is this case based out of New York City that found that gun laws had to be based on some kind of tradition and history of gun restriction. Like if your gun laws don't really reflect the American history and tradition of and spirit of gun ownership, then we're going to have to revisit them. But the Hawaii Supreme Court went out and said, this is not in the spirit of aloha. Uh, and they cited the TV show The Wire in their ruling saying that, you know, cultural and legal norms of the past should not dictate contemporary life. And uh, I'll read you the quote from The Wire now. The thing about the old days, they the old days, uh, which is from season four, episode three of the series. Um, the fact that they would use a TV show in their actual ruling, along with the words, quote, spirit of aloha, does suggest that this is maybe not a very seriously informed ruling, but it nonetheless is important because it is going to be the law of the land in Hawaii. Greg, you're, you're sitting there and you want to hop in on this one. Yeah, and I just kind of wanted to piggyback a bit on um, some of what Kenneth talked about with a gun registry uh, in Illinois. That's part of the uh, what they call the Protect Illinois Communities Act. It required everybody who owned a semi-automatic firearm from before the law was enacted to register those by the end of 2023. While that date came and went, and we looked at the total number of FOID card uh, holders in the state of Illinois and of 2.4 million FOID card holders in the state of Illinois, people who've told Illinois State Police that they are a firearm owner. Only 1.4% of that total, 2.4 million, have registered firearms in the state of Illinois. Uh, and you've seen similar types of registration schemes in other states find uh, even you know a little bit more, but not by much, percentage of compliance. So that's another issue here is uh, these laws and some of the critics say that uh, it's merely trying to, in essence, regulate law-abiding gun owners instead of going after uh, the criminals, because the criminals aren't the ones that would ever register a firearm, uh, nor are the criminals the ones that are going to abide by any kind of carry law or anything along those lines. Uh, so clearly, uh, you know, the question of uh, who these laws ultimately are going to be impacting uh, down the line is still substantive. And the courts are going to have to deal with this, whether or not they uh, accept the spirit of aloha or uh, look at the Constitution and the Second Amendment, Fifth Amendment, Fourteenth Amendment, and so on. Kenneth. Yeah, just to give you a bit of a picture to how ridiculous some of these laws are, um, California up until this weekend had a ban on any kind of like club that could be used as a weapon. This 
104-year-old ban on the manufacturing, possession, and carrying of billies, clubs, saps. The law allowed for interpretation of even improperly wielding a baseball bat to be a serious crime in the state. Uh, That fortunately was thrown out because a lot of these restrictions on all kinds of weapons are being revisited in the case of Bruin. This one case uh, where the this judge, uh, known to some as St. Benitez, Judge Roger Benitez of San Diego, he initially had upheld the state's ban on billies and saps. Sap is a leather kind of strap that you could hit someone with. But in the, in the aftermath of Bruin, the petitioners put forward a new appeal to the Ninth Circuit. They said, look, after Bruin, we're going to send this back to the district court for this guy to look at. And lo and behold, under Bruin, it seems that a lot of these restrictions are being found unconstitutional because they're out of the spirit of American self-defense. And I think uh, some of the things, too, that Bruin highlights is not just the um, text and history being a uh, focus that courts have to uh, review when they take these types of laws restricting individuals' Second Amendment rights to you know, a, a well-regulated militia being necessary for the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. They have to look at the text and history of the, a gun law and whether or not there's any analogous example in founding era laws. Uh, but also, there's a lot of conversation about uh, common uh, common use and what is commonly used, what's commonly held. And there's a a threshold that was decided uh, years ago with stun guns and whether or not, you know, uh, is it considered commonly held if 250,000 people across the country have stun guns? Yes. So stun guns were legal, essentially, under that threshold. So when you look at a threshold like that, And then you consider there's, what, 400 million plus firearms in in the country. There's speculation there could be 20, 30, 40 million AR-15s that are privately held in this country. You know, if you look at the vast majority of these types of uh, uh, mass violent events with fatalities, are they being done with AR-15s or are they being done with handguns? Are they being done in a Super Bowl parade or are they gang violence in downtown Chicago? You know, all of these things come into play, but clearly there's there's ongoing public conversation about this. But the, the final determining factor is going to be whether or not these laws comport with the U.S. Constitution. And Joe, as uh, as Greg just mentioned, ongoing public conversations, we're, we're seeing, uh, you know, uh, assault weapon bans happening in, in Illinois, California. Colorado actually tried passing something like this last year. Uh, but they failed, but it's coming back up. And it, it, this seems to be a, a cultural movement in a lot of states to take steps to, you know, quote, ban, quote, assault weapons. True. And our teammate, Derek Dreplin, uh did a story earlier this year on how this was reinstated or the bill was refiled in Colorado. And it gave definitions of almost dozens of the manufacturers and the names of these types of guns. And it it went nowhere last year. They also have introduced uh, some legislation on liability that all gun owners would have to have liability insurance, as well as some uh, coding for guns when they're purchased, uh, I guess, kind of a tracking system. So Colorado is is such a big outdoor state, and the Rocky Mountain gun owners have filed suits. 
this is going to be uh, interesting to see how this all plays out in, in that state. And Greg, in all these situations, we'll wrap up here with you, but it always goes back to the courts. It goes back to the state Supreme Court. It goes to the United States Supreme Court. Is this the future for any gun restriction bill? Is is the hope just to get it passed and hope that you get a favorable court opinion? It seems to be the case uh, because I mean we've been talking a lot about uh, bans on certain things, but uh, it was mentioned earlier with Kenneth um, the the effort to try to uh, uh, you know bring about taxes on things like guns and ammunition. Even that as well is being litigated. At least in Illinois, we had a state court uh, appeals court essentially say that you cannot tax the Second Amendment in this way. So yeah, it seems that uh, while a lot of focus is on bans of certain types of firearms, there's all kinds of other issues with the Second Amendment, um, so-called uh, you know uh, sensitive places where people can carry firearms, uh, whether or not you can have concealed carry or open carry or constitutional carry. I think Louisiana is poised to be the next state to allow for constitutional carry, which would be 28 of the 50 states allowing for that. Uh, So there's all kinds of intricacies when talking about the Second Amendment that uh, you likely will see legislators try to encroach upon. But quickly, there are a a myriad of Second Amendment focused groups that are poised to pounce on on these laws to challenge them, not just in state court, but in federal court all the way up to the U.S. Supreme Court. Greg, Kenneth, Joe, I think we could go on and on and on about this one. This is a, certainly a complex issue, and you get into all sorts of legal rulings. But the unfortunate thing around gun restriction policy is that it, it almost always comes on the heels of a mass shooting event, uh, a, a horrible tragedy. You know, we, we talked a lot about guns and, and policy and, and law today, but there are people attached to the other side of all these stories and, and everybody's, I think, hearts and prayers and thoughts go out to those people. But at the same time, you know, it's hard not to talk about this this topic except through the legal interpretation because that is where all of these things seem to end up. They end up in the courts. They end up uh, with differing opinions at different court levels on the same law. You know, we had a conversation today talking a lot about that aspect of it. But as we uh, close out here, I, I just want to, you know, mention the the human aspect to this as well, because all of the things we talk about on this show have a human element. Joe, Greg, Kenneth, thanks for joining us on America's Talking Today. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to subscribe and check out all of our podcasts at americastalking.com. Ran for state office and was beaten. Started a business and failed. Ran for Congress and lost. But thankfully, Abraham Lincoln didn't give up. Persistence. Pass it on. From the Foundation for a Better Life at values.com.